Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John McTally, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Garrett K. Jones. Garrett, how are you today, sir? I am great, John. How are you doing? I am doing good, trying to stay dry. Uh, as I guess you are out there in yep. California, it is a wet all over the United States, uh, wet and cold in some places. So, yep, uh, I was I was working at school site on Friday, and we had so much rainfall that like everything was puddles. But the school site had no covered walkways because the oh. architect was a moron. <laughs> and so by the time I got from the admin office halfway across campus to the classroom where I was supposed to be, my feet were just, I, I made the mistake of wearing the wrong shoes. They weren't waterproof. Mm. And uh, at least my right foot was a bit soggy. Oh, I, I work as uh, many of you know, a little off thing, off thing. I work as a, uh, a bus driver for a paratransit bus service and, let me tell you, if you step in a puddle and then you got your feet soggy and you're having to drive around with, oh, nothing's worse, worse than wet socks. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, nothing. oh. Uh, but now we got some, uh, the rivers are definitely uh, over their banks here. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, I got a little bit of flooding in some areas. So uh, stay safe, everybody. If you're in areas that have been impacted by any bad storms. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, but we're here to talk Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 10. Yeah. Um, this, I actually, I actually really like this and I, I did too. I did too. And I want to hear your thoughts on it first because last week I did a ton of talking. I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, when I first saw it and uh, when I was first kind of getting into it, I, my initial reaction is great. Another filler episode. But then mm -hmm. as I started to go into it, I'm like, okay, this makes sense because I'm glad that they didn't just snap their finger and Sid came in and like, well, it's a good thing Sid came in and rescued us from that, from there and got us out of there. And they're just back. I'm glad that they're showing like, okay, she, they're, they're looking for the ship. They're going through this, you know, instead of just, like I said, just snapping their finger, you know, they snap their fingers and they're, they're back on Ord Mantel. You know, I'm glad that we're actually showing them trying to get off the planet. And really, I think this was the first time in a while where we're seeing the Bad Batch do what they do. Yeah. As far as helping people and moving closer towards that. Because I don't think so far they haven't gone full rebel. Like they haven't totally declared that they're they're kind of just kind of doing their own thing and they're trying to stay under the under the radar of their empire, trying not to, you know, they'll do things here and there to help, you know, steal something, but they haven't declared that, okay, we're going against the empire. We're rebelling against the empire. They've almost taken a the the attitude of what Luke had in A New Hope, where he said, Sure, I hate the Empire, but I mean, what can I what can we do about it? I yeah. think that's kind of where the Bad Batch are. They're like, Yeah, we don't like them, but and nothing we can really do about it. We just got to survive and take what we can. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on on that. Like you, you mentioned that you thought it was going to be another filler episode, and I was actually gl gladly surprised that it wasn't. 
Yeah. That it picked up from the, the previous episode and we get to we're carried into this because they're doing it now kind of like what the what the Clone Wars used to do where they do like like two or three like linked episodes and then they mm-hmm. move on to another thing. Um, and so we're seeing that there's kind of a trend with two episode, you know, connections, like what we saw with, um, uh, with the Wookiees or what we saw with, um, with, um, what was happening with the cover up of, of Camino, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, the disillusion of the, of the clone forces. But the thing I, I really appreciate about this is that things don't just get fixed out of the blue and we're yes. seeing more. We're, we're actually seeing that what they're encountering are little pockets of people needing help. Yes. And it feels like the Bad Batch is starting to find its place that they're not just mercs for hire working for um, working for, you know, a boss. They are they are seeing a larger scale of people that need their help when they're on these missions. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think by the end of the season and, and I could be wrong in my prediction, but it feels like we're going to see them make a decision to really uh, start trying to make a difference. Yeah. And I'm wondering if if that's going to be where the split with Sid happens, where Sid has a mission that's going to have them do something that's going to put people in danger. And Sid and they won't do it because... You know, it might be something where it's an imperial, you know, imperial agent is, you know, is hired her to get something done or someone associated with that and and they won't do it. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's how the split will happen, if the split happens. I, I, I think we may see a split and I think you may be right. If, if the writers are worth their salt, they'll do something like that where they will force the split, an ideological split, um, even though, you know, it, it seems to be a lucrative thing for them. Um, I think that would probably be one of the best things to happen in the show. Um, however, I think it would be very poor writing if all of a sudden we find out that Sid is actually working with the rebels all along. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think- feel like like the the random uh, selection of going to that mine in in the previous episode and getting themselves trapped on mm-hmm. on the planet and having to harvest that that energy source ore. Um, <laughs> it feels like that's one of those, it's one of those things that could go in that direction. And I feel like that would be really weak writing. That's like, Oh yeah, she's a really good person. Yeah. I think it would be, and you don't even have to make her to be fully evil. You can just have her be, be the empire, you know, have the, have the attitude of the empire paid more. Or maybe she's working for someone that she doesn't even realize is part of the empire. Yeah. She's just taking a job because it, because it pays well. And yeah. come to find out, that's the direction that it went. Yeah. And like I said, I would lean more. I would love to lean more towards that side because that would make this the story far more engaging than just mm-hmm. oh she's working for the rebels or connected yeah. to the rebels and everything that she's been doing is really for for good. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't even like like I said, I don't even think you have to have her be that she's necessarily doing everything because she's a evil person. She can just mm-hmm. have her be. She's a businesswoman. Yeah, she's she she, it, she's doing it for the money. She does it for the money. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing personal. It's just, it's just, it's just the credits. I I did like the I one of the things I did like about this episode is once they get in, once they infiltrate. I mean, there's kind of a there's kind of a Mission Impossible vibe to it mm-hmm. because 
when uh, spoiler alert, they go inside this 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 other mining system uh, on on the planet, and they um, they rappel down a uh, an exhaust port. Yes, uh, it feels very very similar to um, uh, some other things that we've seen, especially going back to Mission Impossible, some of the stunts mm-hmm. that Tom Cruise has done. Yeah, and um, and what's really cool about that is that, I mean they time it just right it starts to get dangerous doesn't get as dangerous as it as it really could have been um you know because they're able to get through it in time but I like the direction that it goes there's there's a sense of of uh consequence mm-hmm. to the episode that if one wrong move gets someone killed or one wrong move gets them all killed and yeah. I like that yeah I got definitely got vi- I I I didn't get until you just mentioned it, but yeah, now that I think about it, definitely get Mission Impossible vibes. I got Goonie vibes, and I also got um, uh, uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah, I definitely I, a Temple of Doom thing going on. Yeah, the especially with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the walkway and the the kids and the um, yeah, yeah, using the slave, you know, basically slave labor. It was interesting how. This, I mean, it was basically slave labor, but they were basically wage slaves. Yeah. You know, and you keep, and you see the same thing in Andor, where, with the prison, where they kept the prisoners in this constant loop of, oh, if you just do a little bit harder, you can get a little bit more of a reward. And there's and, and there's, no, there's really no reward. There's no reward. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of carrot, but mostly stick. Yeah, it's like, oh, you get food, you know, indoors, oh, you get food with flavor. Ooh. <laughs> food with flavor. Ooh. Oh, my God. I don't even yeah. want to know what food without flavor tastes like. If I want to do that, I, I think I'll go to Russia. I was going to say British food, but no, I like actually like British food. <laughs> uh, nothing nothing like a, 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 nothing better than a, a good, uh, Full English breakfast, let me tell you. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of black pudding. Oh, fair it's, enough. It's kind of gross. I mean, it, it it's blood sausage. It is what it is. <laughs> so, um, uh, was there something about the show, about this episode in particular, that maybe stood out to you that you didn't care for? I... I I'm, I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I will. Like, what about you? Is there anything that you? <clears throat> I was I was frustrated with the fact that now I don't mind the fact that it would that it came from Omega uh, because mm-hmm. she's a she's a smart character. We've already seen from the very beginning that she's a, yeah. she's intuitive. She's very intelligent. What I have a problem with is the fact that of all the members of, uh, you know, the Bad Batch, the one character who should have thought about tracing the, the gonk droid signal was, uh, should have been Tech. He yes. should have been the guy to be like, hey, you know what? We can't track, the, you know, they, the, 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 the uh, transponder has been deactivated, but we can mm-hmm. certainly track our droid because he's producing a signal that the thief probably doesn't even know about. Mm-hmm. He should have been the first to come up with that idea, but they and I and I understand why they didn't because they they're wanting to treat it as kind of a two part 
uh, episode arc mm-hmm. where you have the, the, the dilemma in, at the during the first episode, you have the resolution in the second. But it's it's one of those things where it should have been introduced by tech at towards the end of the of, of episode nine, but they were having difficulty tracing the signal because of the, the ratio. Link. Yeah. But, but yeah. then, you know, yeah, I, I can out see that. I can getting see that. around that. Mm-hmm. That would have been, that would, I think would have been more fulfilling for me. The fact that, that out of the blue tech doesn't even think about this when he's by far probably one of the smartest members on the team. And it's the little now, teenage girl that figures out how to do the one thing that he should have known to do. Now, would you have been fine if there would have been a small scene afterwards where Omega set, you know, Omega mentioned something about, about that, like, you know, not, not, not in like a negative way, but like, you know, to tech in Texas and they're like, yes, I figured that out a while ago, but I wanted you to i wanted to see if you could figure that out you know that would have been that would have been fine i would have been okay with that had there been some other decision made Mm -hmm. earlier in episode nine or at the beginning of episode uh 10 that gave us this indication that tech was going to try and teach her something Mm. yeah we don't don't get that sense there's no there's no teachable moment between tech and omega other than him learning to embrace his emotions just a little bit more that's all we get this very technological uh solution should have been something he thought of immediately because that's part of his job yeah now what did you think of the uh the villain the 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 bad guy in this one um i i liked him i like there like there was kind of a um I got a lot of um, Oliver coming through this. Charles Dickens. Yes, Charles. Yes, uh, that, very much like Fagin, um, in that in that you have all these characters, and they go by some very like normal names, considering yeah. Star Wars. Like, uh, what was the kid's name? Jack. Yeah, or something like that. And it's like that's a really that, that's a really normal sounding name for Star Wars, but like. You've got these kids who've grown up, and this is all they know. They've been probably mining since they were able to walk and talk, mm-hmm. and or they saw their families do it before. And who knows? They could have been like kidnapped as kids. We don't. We don't know. But like, there's definitely a Fagin uh, vibe coming from the villain in this mm-hmm. because he's he's basically using these kids to do all the labor, and then when you see the fact that he is literally eating. The spoils of their hard labor, all the things that are coming in, he's he is gorging himself on food that he could easily be sharing with them. Yeah, and it's like, dude, like I'm glad, like I, I kind of wish it had been like the uh, it had been one of the older kids that had like you know turned on him, like they started throwing rocks or something, or mm-hmm. you know they are the ones who pushed him off the bridge. That yeah. would have been that would have been a better fit than him, you know, trying to toss Omega over and, and all that. But yeah. it was a it was a really, really uh, well done villain. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, as an antagonist, he's he's you know there there's something really cool about it. Like uh, you get this. I mean, even for just a one off, you get the sense that this is someone who uh, he's a, he's a complete narcissist. He thinks only about himself. 
He is manipulative. He's lying. Um, and he's one of those one-off villains that the batch is seeing being kind of a, a, a hallmark indicator of the kinds of things they need to be fighting. Yeah. Because yeah. these are things that are holdovers from the war. You had people profiteering from <coughs> the wars and, mm -hmm. and while they may have not been able to engage in those things, now they're able to do that. And they're able to be a, if not a pocket of resistance against the empire, they're able to be a pocket of resistance going around writing wrongs are kind of like Robin Hood and the, and the Merry Men to mm -hmm. some extent. Yeah. Because again, not to mix metaphors, but this is again, a very, very much Robin Hood um, scenario where these, these kids are being under, they're under the thumb of a, of a despot, even mm -hmm. a minor one. And, you know, Hunter and the gang come in and just. Yeah. I was glad. Them. I was glad when the, uh, the the kid brought the proof that he was uh, he was skimming off the top and that you know was lying to him about the uh, um, the mineral and how the mineral was actually not degrading that it was the older kid who had gotten the benefit of you know they had that scene where it's like okay who made the most money and it was that kid that the older the older boy. And the the uh, other kid had mentioned how he always gets it. That he was the one who said, "Hey, wait a minute, this isn't right." Because he could have easily said, "Hey, I'm still getting benefit from it, you know, mm -hmm. so I'll keep quiet." That I'm glad that he was the one that, you know, kind of because you, you he looked like he was probably kind of a somewhat of a leader among the boys among those yeah. kids. So the fact that he was the one that like looked up and said, "Hey, wait a minute." we've been busting our butts for you and you've been lying to us this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that, that sense of fair play is there because despite the, the competitive nature of what these kids were doing, um, they still, you know, they were still looking out for each other because they're in, they're all in survival mode mm -hmm. and they knew that without the others, they wouldn't be able to survive, or at least that's the mindset that they had gotten themselves into. And so as competitive as it was, when they when they're shown proof that things aren't as they've been told, that sense of, of, of right and wrong kicks in and you have characters who are banding, you know, they're banding together to, you know, yeah. to do what's right. Yeah. Now, what did you think about? I mean, you kind of you kind of knew that. No, that they weren't going to leave the leave the planet. Like no one was going to leave the planet. But did you think that was a, a good a good thing? Where a choice, a storytelling choice, where Omega makes makes the you know kind of makes the the plea. You know, like hey, basically in a roundabout way, saying hey, you can come with us. Well, and there's a him... go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Gonna... <laughs> there's a, there's kind of a logistics to it um, because the Marauder can only hold so many people. Yeah. And I think with the number of kids that there were, there's uh, there was way more than they would be able to hold in their ship. On top yeah. of that, what are these kids going to do at any other point in their life? I yeah. mean, sure, no, they can probably go to some other planet, but the only thing they've ever known how to do is mine for this mineral. Mm -hmm. And while they could probably you know place those skills to another outer rim planet, 
that has mining operations, it's not going to be the same. They're going to find themselves in a similar situation. Now they can control what they yeah. mine, when they mine, how they're divvying up the, the spoils of that. They're going to find themselves in a far more lucrative state than they were before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So um, as, as dangerous as the mineral is, they know how to, how to navigate and how to, yeah. how to mine it safely without causing it to, you know, explode or do whatever. So overall, what would you give uh, grade wise the episode a score? Mm. On a scale of one to ten, I'd probably give it about an eight. Okay, that's, um, that's fair. Yeah, it, it, or letter grade B, B minus. Um, it, yeah. it was a good episode. I, I'd still like to see. I mean, the action the action set pieces were fantastic. I, I that was knocking it out of the ballpark. And I think that's one of the things that the writers of this series have been doing well with season two. The action is good. Um, yeah. And this this particular episode solidified for me the overarching theme of what's happening this season. And while we're not, while some of the episodes were standalone, some of the episodes have been uh, these two episode arcs uh, that don't that right off the bat don't feel you know connected. What we're what we're getting is this. Um, we are getting the sense that the batch is now finally opening their eyes to the larger problem going around that while the empire is bad, mm -hmm. there are other people who need help from, from other things that were caused by the war. Mm -hmm. And because like these, these kids, I mean, their families were, were killed because of the war. These mines yeah. were abandoned because of the war. Yeah. Um, and it was a war that, that Hunter and tech and, 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 uh, and and wrecker and, and 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 you know echo and all of them have, well with the exception of omega because she didn't really do any fighting but there it's a, a fight that they that they were engaged with and so now they're having and they're they're finding themselves in a new in a new battle yeah definitely i i would i would say the same i give it a good solid eight um just you know, like, I, I mean, pretty much everything you said, you know, just kind of moving the story along and getting to know, you know, getting getting the Bad Batch to, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> My mind went blank. Well, it doesn't feel like one of those episodes where it's getting them from point A to point B. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of these episodes have been. Some of them has been like, okay, well, how can we get these characters from here to here story-wise and just move them into position for whatever's going to come next? That works if you're, you know, if you're not really careful with the writing and um, mm -hmm. because the, um, because it, to some to some degree, like parts of Rogue One feel like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rogue One is a very well-written, very well-paced movie, but a lot of it is just putting pieces on the board and just moving yeah them to where they need to be so that the so that the story makes sense for the for the movie that's already in existence in yeah. this case uh it just felt like they're they're moving the pieces around the board just to get to the next episode at least at least that's how it felt this episode for me like i said does away with that and solidifies what we're seeing as this overarching theme and i think that's why this episode stands out a little bit better than last week's um mm -hmm. or even some of the earlier ones from the season where 
it just felt like a standalone or felt like there was really no point to the episode. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, so you, for those of you who are listening to the, to the podcast right now, so there's a two hour disparity between uh, myself and John and John's in, uh, he's in the Midwest and uh, he's two hours ahead of me. So right now it's about seven fifteen California. California time. That's it's nine fifteen his time, and he keeps yawning, and I'm like, I'm tired. So he's he's tired. I'm tired. I, I, he yawns. I want to yawn. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's good to know that yawns are still contagious, even over uh, over probably a thousand miles of distance. Yes. Over oh the TV. Gosh. Over the uh, computer screen. Yes. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> Garrett, why don't you tell the fine folks out there where they can find you at? Yes. Okay. Well, you other guys. Than California. Yeah. Other than California. Uh, <laughs> so you guys can find me at uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, at GKJ underscore publishing, where I post about uh, my books. I, I do a, um, a series of posts every week on what I'm promoting through my YouTube channel, my YouTube. Uh, you can find me at GKJ publishing on YouTube. You just do that at search. Or um, it's GK, it's youtube.com slash C slash GKJ Publishing. On that, uh, on that channel, I do a show called The Right Way, where we talk book recommendations, author interviews, and creative writing tips. Right now, uh, my creative writing tips are focused on uh, looking at world building through the lens of Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, which is a tremendous series on that has great world building. Um, this coming up Saturday... Uh, March the, uh, the, what is it? The fourth, March the fourth. Um, I have a, a great set of, uh, book recommendations from a friend of mine who's a, a local children's author named Clarinette Nolan. And she's talking about, uh, revamped, uh, classics, uh, where it's told from a different perspective. Uh, and then, uh, March 18th is going to be my 200th episode where I will be featuring an awesome interview with one of my literary heroes. His name is Jonathan Mayberry. Um, he has done a lot of really cool stuff. In fact, one of his uh, one of his first books ever was a uh, was a uh, uh, novelization for the 2010 film The Wolfman, starring Benicio del Toro. Oh, who cool. was in Star Wars Episode Eight? That's right. Yeah. All right. As for us right now, as for us, uh, you can get a hold of us. First of all, best way to get a hold of us is through our email. War of the Stars one at gmail.com. Uh, that is also our Twitter handle. Just go to at War of the Stars one. You can check us out there or on Facebook and Instagram. Just search War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Uh, we are, of course, part of the Red Five Network. Go to redfivenetwork.com for all information on all our shows. Uh, if you want to get, if you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash War of the Stars. And of course, our Spreadshirt shop. Uh, get the cool merch we have there. Uh, we are on all of the major platforms for podcast: Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio. I believe we're on Radio Public, and I know for sure we are on Spotify. Uh, so check us out there on Spotify. Um, and pretty much wherever podcasts are heard, just go to your local podcast thing and just type in Word the Stars and you'll find us there. Yep. Uh, I believe that is about it. So 
with that being said, remember, this is not just my Star Wars. This is not just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. Until next time, may the Force be with you. This is the way.